Yo, this is BJ Gador, host of the Weekly BJ Podcast. I'm a former fat guy turned cover model, and I'm also the former fitness director for the Men's Health brand. I specialize in helping busy men and women just like you burn fat, build muscle, and boost metabolism while having a little fun along the way. And I'll be interviewing some of the most influential men and women in the health, fitness, and nutrition space to give you a weekly dose of fitspiration. Follow me everywhere on social media at BJ Gador, B-J-G-A-D-D-O-U-R. And for more podcasts, plus workout, meal prep, and mobility content, please visit thedailybj.com, hashtag not a porn site. Membership is just $9.69 per month. Cancel anytime. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when each weekly episode is posted. Yo, BJ Gador with the Weekly BJ Podcast, and special guest today is Jay Ferrugia, the renegade himself. I was just on his show, the Renegade Radio Podcast. Be sure to check it out. Jay has been a fiend lately, doing like seven podcasts, I think, the last week, Uh, but he's got a great show. He's got sponsors now. He's built it up to an incredible following, and he's been a guy who's been in this industry for a long time, and one thing, if you go to his website and you check it out, a lot of stuff Jay was doing in the mid-90s, not to age Jay, because Jay frankly looks, you're aging like a fine wine, my friend. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But Thank he you. was doing a lot of the, you know, the strongman stuff, and uh, way before uh, you know, people started to kind of see that stuff in, on TV and other things. And So he's a guy who's been ahead of his time. He's had longevity in this space, and I love the guys and gals that have been doing this for a while because you can learn so much from them because so many people – get uh, chewed up and spit out in this space, and, and Jay is doing such a great job. And I, I've got a couple notes here. We've got a fitness and lifestyle consultant, podcaster, author, and speaker. But my favorite part was half Italian, half Scottish, all Jersey. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like I, I've mellowed out living in California the last seven years, but occasionally if we're out with friends and you know the old attitude comes back, I always say, you can take the kid out of Jersey, you know? So what are, you, can only, what are, you can only meditate and evolve so far. Exactly. What are the three most common words that a Jersey boy will say? Uh, fuck, for sure. <laughs> sick. And bro. Everything's bro. Bro, it's fucking sick. Bro. So, so oftentimes all three find their way into one. Because bro is like the transitional word almost. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then fuck becomes a noun, verb, adjective, pronoun, preposition. <laughs> I love it, man. And so you're, you're super fit, successful. But, you know, one thing really struck me when I was at your site researching for the episode, I just want to quote you and then we can kind of open the, the discussion here. There's a lot to flesh out here, but you said over the course of my life, I've been physically and mentally weak, skinny, fat, sad, depressed, insecure, painfully shy, socially awkward, crippled with anxiety and indecision, struggle with addiction, and have gone broke on more than one occasion. Overcoming those obstacles took many years and a lot of work. So you haven't uh, had a lot going on in your life, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I was getting bummed out just hearing that story. <laughs> I mean, dude, like it, it's uh, – there's a lot to flesh out there. I mean 
let's start with basically how you got started with fitness, kind of the origin story. Obviously, I know you as that guy was a skinny kid and you wanted to build muscle and and you were kind of the go-to source when I was coming into the fitness space for hard gainer material, you know, trying to gain muscle and size. But take us through uh, how you got into fitness, man. Yeah, so, so back in the 80s, I was watching uh, The Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan on Saturday mornings, and I was watching Schwarzenegger and Stallone on the big screen, and I was just a little, first fat, and then skinny, and then skinny, oh, and then skinny fat, and then eventually skinny, <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I really want to be like those guys, I want to be, I want to be a superhero, I want to be jacked, I want to be larger than life, and so my cousin, Christine, was dating a guy named Eric Wieda, who was a pro wrestler, not with WWE, but some smaller federation at the time. But he was jacked out of his mind. He was like 6'4 and 240 and ripped. So he got me started actually uh, doing like six or seven day a week, super high volume body part split. So I went from zero to doing like 20 sets of arms. And, uh, you know, I couldn't move my arms, couldn't extend my elbows. And I about I got nowhere. And then eventually I kind of, I don't even remember exactly, well, I'll tell you what, I, it was in 1993 when Dorian Yates was prominent and he was winning the Spia titles. And back then you couldn't, wasn't the internet and there wasn't a lot of resources and information. So I would read Yates' stuff and kind of Mike Mentzer's stuff. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. I'm super skinny and weak. I can't handle that volume. So I did the Yates stuff for a while, the lower volume, and that really made a big difference for me. And then I kind of just somehow stumbled upon in, in the back of Iron Man magazine was, was the only really place to order books. And so I kind of uh, got into the whole hard gainer thing. I didn't know what a hard gainer was. And then when I read about it, it made sense. So I started ordering uh, super squats and John McCallum and all the old stuff. Uh, uh, Bill Starr, he's, uh, John McCallum's the keys to progress. And then Bill Starr was um, only the strong shall survive. So I discovered like the five by five basic full body routines and stuff like that. And, and that made a huge difference for me too. I finally started making some prior 20 rep squats, uh, made huge gains with those. And then it just kind of became uh, an obsession of mine all throughout high school and college. And I, and I went into college thinking that I either, uh, I, I was a communications major. I either wanted to make films or host sports center. And then just this obsession of mine just continued to grow. Uh, so I started in inter- weight room. And started studying exercise science, and uh, basically, so there's more to the story. But when I was going to Arizona State, I got sick, and I had to uh, come home and take a semester off because I was super sick. So I actually almost died. And during that semester, I got sir, I got my first personal trainer certification, and started training people that summer. And somehow, I don't even know how, because I didn't know a lot, of, a lot about business, but I was getting really good results with people. By the end of that summer. I was on pace to make six figures. So then I transferred back home and kept going to school. And by the time I was 20, I was, I was going to school and making six figures training people. And then the business just blew up pretty fast. Awesome, man. And what were the, uh, what was kind of the transformation? Obviously it's, it's an, it's an ongoing transformation, right? But what were the, you know, your lowest kind of skinniest weight to what you would be considered like the ideal, you know, Jay at his best look. Yeah, so I graduated high school, and I started training in eighth grade, and when I graduated high school, I was six foot and 147 pounds, so, wow. and I, yeah, it, it was, and so then throughout college, I finally started making some progress. Eventually, by the time I was in my late 20s, I had gotten up to 227, 
but I was still kind of fat at two. Like I just, I, I went from being so skinny that I wanted to be huge. So I ate and trained myself up to 227, probably. And then eventually, so I, I stayed there for years to kind of make that my new set point and hold on to that amount of muscle. Uh, but eventually, you know, as we all know, when, once you diet that down, you're way smaller than you think. So I, I ended up uh, probably now nowadays uh, I'm 43, almost 43, and I floated around 185 to 190, which is probably the best for me, like longevity wise. Um, but yeah, being 227 back in those days, it was just all about just eating uh, 5,000 calories a day and just squatting as much as I could and. That was all that mattered. Now, you know, you get a little bit older, you think about longevity and joint health, you want to be able to move. So it's definitely been a transition for sure over the last seven years or so. I love it. And one thing, and I want to touch on the evolution of your training and diet and everything else, and we will, but one thing you also seem to be really passionate about is the concept of simplicity. And, uh, you know, as you said, simplicity is the key to health, wealth, and happiness. And you're a big believer in the 80-20 rule. Can you kind of break that down? Uh, you know, first kind of in regards to training and then maybe how it's transferable outside of that. Yeah. So back in the days we, we kind of had to keep it simple cause we didn't have that many options. So now for someone getting into fitness, it's really hard and confusing because everybody says something different and you can go online and read a million different things and you can uh, look at your Instagram feed and you don't know what to do and you get super confused. But at the end of the day, you have to just, again, 80-20, keep it simple. Like do compound functional movements, squat, hinge, pull, push, lunge, do some kind of loaded carry, twist. That's about it. So if you do one or two of those movements and movements that incorporate a lot of muscle mass and allow you to use a great load, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, put three, 400 pounds on your back. When I say a great load, I could just mean doing a chin up versus doing a pull down, things like that. Um, do those basic movements three, four days a week. Keep it simple. Adding a ton of volume never seems to work that well unless you have amazing genetics and are on steroids. Uh, yeah, and then, and then as far as nutrition goes, so it's super hard to get uh, clear answers on that too. But instead of looking at the differences from keto to vegetarian diets to paleo, what do most people seem to agree on? Well, most people seem to agree that you should eat whole foods, real foods. Okay, so let's do that. So let's not worry about supplements and anything like that. Let's eat whole, real foods that a caveman could eat. Um, and, and people worry about if they should eat grains or not and things like that. And that, that's probably important when you get to a certain level if you have an intolerance. But at first, don't worry about that. Just eat some, eat, eat some veg, fruit and vegetables, lean protein, uh, some good sources of healthy fat. If you do that three, four times a day, uh, you're going to look pretty good. And then you can start to dial it in a little bit more. I love it, man. And then how do you, cause you, you obviously had some, you overcame some financial issues, some addiction issues. How, how did you apply that 80, 20 rule to overcoming those issues as well? So as far as the business goes, I, I was, it was kind of like a, like a rookie who wins the Super Bowl as far as season. Like immediately I was making six figures and I didn't have to, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was still working 60 hours a week for, for 10 years, probably, you know, uh, to this day, there's, that's probably why I'm a little under the weather now. I still do that more often than, than I maybe need to or should, but I just got used to making a certain amount of money and I didn't, uh, have anyone there telling me like, 
dude, you got to save money and think about the future. Like I was just spending money. I just had a ton of bad habits and I would put money back into the business all the time to get new equipment. And it seemed like every other month I was ordering new stuff from elite and going to new seminars, but I never paid myself first. And so I, so I had to learn all of these rules the hard way. And then I also tried to do too much. I think every small business owner, entrepreneur goes through that phase where you try to do too much. You're answering the phones, you're writing emails, you're writing, you're training people, uh, you're cleaning the, the toilets, whatever it may be, you know? So, uh, a lot of good, good, uh, mentors of mine said, dude, stop trying to do everything so much. Like you got to focus on the 20% that you do, which is train people and write programs and then get people, other people in to help out to sell, to make the phone calls, do this, do that. So I just got smarter about my business and I outsource. And nowadays it's so easy to outsource. Like you can use apps like, uh, for, for virtual assistance. I mean, there's basically an app for everything. You can outsource everything. So focus on only the few things that you should do business wise. That makes a huge difference to me. And even, even to this day, I have to remind myself. So I'll reread a book like, uh, essentialism or the one thing because, you know, BJ, as you know, like opportunities are going to come up. If you're out there, people are going to reach out all the time. Hey, you want to do this? You want to do this? You want to promote this thing? And it's like some of those could be amazing opportunities, but and then you start to run yourself down or other things suffer. So you do have to try to 80, 20 as much as you can and only do the most important stuff. I love it, man. And uh, one thing that I really uh, enjoyed seeing that you do that I actually did as well, uh, not, not, level of uh, second city improv but I did in, in Milwaukee they have a comedy sports and it's something I took because for such a long time I, I you know you work from home and there, there were weeks would go by where I wouldn't see people unless I went to the grocery store because I could train at home too and I, I got very anti-social and I think social media as social as it can be allows you to like completely live a life without seeing people so yeah. uh, I, I did a comedy improv to a kind of get better at working with other people. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, you tend to like be a lone wolf and be uh, willing and able to do everything kind of on your own, you know, getting help where you need it. But, um, so interacting with others and just being okay with looking ridiculous or sounding corny or, you know, and, uh, almost being willing to just completely put yourself out there and be uncomfortable and not care. Cause I think that has helped. I know it's helped me a lot with the video work I've done and, you know, live video or speaking, take us through. And you're at Second City, which is like the mecca of comedy improv where, I mean, all the greats have come out of there. Uh, take us through why you got started with that and what you've taken from improv. Yeah, so so like you mentioned, I was really insecure. insecure. I was quiet. I was shy, socially awkward. And certainly the gym helped with that. You know, getting bigger and stronger definitely improved my self-confidence. I took the lessons that I learned in the gym and applied them to life, and it made a huge difference. But like a lot of people, I thought it was going to change everything. But there were still a lot of issues I had that needed that I really needed to address. So it wasn't until – I don't remember exactly when I had this awakening, but I was like, okay, I've gone as far as I can with just getting bigger and stronger. Now I need to work on my communication skills, my self-confidence – yeah, I've only gotten so far. So I started reading more books about that stuff, you know, how to win friends and influence people and uh, any kind of book like that, fascinate, captivate, books like that. And I started just when I was around people like that who were engaging and had that kind of confidence and were fun to be around, I would just start to make little mental notes. Oh, okay, like I can see how he does that. It's not that scary. I could try that. And then I would just set little goals the same way you would do with going to the gym. Like you're, I want to do one extra chin up or I want to add five pounds to my squat. So I would say, okay, 
every time I leave the house, let me set a goal of a certain number of people that I'm going to engage. And at first it might not be start a conversation because I might be too socially awkward and nervous about that. Would at least just look them in the eye, smile, nod. Okay, cool. Now let me uh, start a conversation. Instead of just how's it going, how's, you know, I, w- I would look for read books about and study videos on uh, what are some better conversation starters? What, you know, how, how do I give compliments to people? Set a certain number, like a goal for giving a certain number of compliments per day. When I'm at the checkout store at Whole, uh, I'm at the checkout line at Whole Foods, talk to the person. Now that's second nature. I could do it all the time to the point where I get home at the end of the day and I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, I'm hoarse because I'm just talking to everybody all day. And people joke around like, man, what are you, the mayor of Santa Monica? And I, I just try to do that because I know the importance of that and, and how making other people feel good, you know, helps you and you feel good. Um, but as far as Second City goes, that was kind of just the next evolution where I had done some public speaking classes and I was just getting better about getting out there. I was like, all right, a few people told me like, you should really do this. I said, cool. I went and the first day I was hooked. And now after doing it for uh, two plus years, I really truly believe it should be required in high school and college. It it is such an essential life skill because uh, everyone's number one fear is public speaking. So you're public speaking, first of all, and doing it with even more pressure because you kind of, it's kind of supposed to be funny. Uh, although as a, as a beginner, if you try to be funny, you fuck it up. Yeah. So you don't try to be funny as a beginner. But uh, it teaches you listening skills, which is really important. And uh, the listening skills are crucial in business. And, and a lot of times uh, people – you could have a conversation with someone and barely say anything for an hour. And they'll leave and tell somebody else, well, that guy was an amazing conversationalist. And you hear that and you're like, well, I barely said anything. But if you just know how to listen – and make people feel fascinating and make people feel intelligent and ask the right follow-up questions. That's a game changer. So those two things, and then it just uh, teaches you to react and think on your feet, which is an essential life skill too in business and anywhere. So you have to just be there. You have to be in the moment, which is so important. A lot of us are not in the moment. We're always staring at our phones. We're always thinking about what we have to do tomorrow, what happened yesterday. I can't believe I only said this to the guy who cut me off in traffic, whatever it may be. But you're on stage. If someone gives you a suggestion of Baskin Robbins and BJ and I step out and the suggestion is Baskin Robbins, I have to be in that moment. And if BJ mentions the mint chocolate chip ice cream, I have to just listen, react to that and be in the moment. So in a way, it's almost kind of like meditation or doing something where you're risking your life, like rock climbing or something, because it just keeps you super focused. And I think doing stuff like that is really important, especially if you're, you know, a hard charging a type entrepreneur type type guy. I mean, it's hard for me to turn my brain off. And uh, I would imagine you could probably relate BJ a little bit to that, uh, constantly just going hard and thinking about stuff. So I try to do stuff like improv, like rock climbing, like surfing, uh, where you just have to turn off and, you know, just, uh, just have that release sometimes. Yeah, man, you know, the, what, one of the biggest things I took from them, cause I am, uh, kind of an inherently introverted antisocial person and uh, really within myself a lot. And, you know, one thing they stressed a ton, obviously the listening was huge, but it, it's always yes, not no. So it, it, the, the worst skits would yeah. be when someone would try to take you somewhere and then the person, you know, that would be reacting would resist or try to take it another direction. And you're basically fighting on stage. So the, the, the real value was just being able to read people, be fluid. And uh, it's almost kind of like uh, a politician in the sense that you – you know, you find a way to never say something uh, displeasing to the person you're working with. And yeah. uh, 
for, forcing like yourself to be in uncomfortable situations because again, because like you said, there's apps for everything right now, right? You can get a virtual assistant. You can have your groceries sent to you. You can automate and streamline almost anything. Things have become so comfortable. We can, we were just talking about Game of Thrones before we started. It's basically like a movie each week, a new movie each week, uh, production value wise. Uh, so things are so good and so comfortable for so many of us that uh, if we're not put in situations like, you know, that's kind of what training's for. Training is that added stress you don't have to do, but you do it because it, 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 it toughens your mind and it transfers other things and it, it, it you know, helps your health and your fitness. And, um, and the same thing too, like socially, it's so easy to get, uh, you know, in your own, you know, your comfortable social circles or just close friends and family and, and then be scared of all these other situations. So uh, it's just, it's interesting to see. And I've seen you post on Instagram, some clips of you on stage. And I mean, it, it's, it takes a lot of balls. I respect anybody who does it, man. Yeah. It's funny. I, I forgot one of the main, the main rule was yes. And which you brought up. And, uh, that's so important because like you said, that applies to, to it's so well to business when, when you're in business dealings or negotiations or meetings, like not to say no. And then you take that for granted until you really get into a, a class and realize the importance of it and how applicable it is. And it's funny too, because you probably remember this as a beginner in improv, everyone goes, you just mentioned this arguing, everyone goes to arguing as their default on stage. And it just shows you how we're kind of wired and programmed. And if you can reprogram that to get out of that, like whenever there's a conflict or situation or a decision to make, people just want to be in conflict or argue somehow. It's like a comfortable thing. Uh, and, and improv teaches you not to do that, just to avoid it. Just say yes. And even if you disagree with what someone suggested, there's a way you can make them feel like they were right and then slowly transition them over to your, your way of thinking. You bet. And also, if they take you in the wrong direction, you know, that's on them. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. And so you say you have a passion for strength training. I want to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Also, I would say, uh, as someone who follows you as well, I think you have a, a clear passion for rows. I see, I think every, <laughs> every other post, I think, is a rowing variation. So uh, let, let's touch on that, too. I love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, what, what specifically do you want me to address about training? Well, what, what is it about strength training that like just gets you going? It's just, you know, it's just that every day I, I like to challenge myself in some way. I, 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 it's hard for me to go to sleep at night. Like if I haven't challenged myself and I felt like I've done something to make myself better. Um, and it's just part of the routine too. And I'm sure in the past I I've described this and maybe come across as a douchebag because there's, there's like, it doesn't make you better. Like there's all these memes on social media about no days off and all that. And like, it doesn't make me or you better than other people just because we can go train. Like I'm not out fucking defending the country and fighting a war. Like what up all those <laughs> stupid memes? Like we're at war and everything dude. We're not at war. It's like, just because I can get up and go do dumbbell presses doesn't make me more impressive than you. You know, like, there's a lot of things that I don't have the dedication to do. Um, but I think everyone should find something that gets them out of their comfort zone and they push themselves and it's healthy to sweat. Like if you don't like lifting weights, cool. There's something like that. Maybe you play volleyball, you surf or whatever. Like you have to do exercise on a daily basis. You have to get outside. You have to get fresh air and sunlight. You have to sweat. You have to challenge yourself. You have to overcome resistance and life in general is progressive overload and progressive resistance. So however you choose to do that, like just like we were talking about social skills and business, like everything you want to get better at, 
and take to the next level. So that's kind of just the metaphors. Like in the gym, it's progressive overload and progressive resistance. That's how you get results. Same thing in life. Like read an extra book. Uh, go to that social – like do something that makes you uncomfortable, whatever it may be. And then let's talk about Rose. Uh, you just had a good post on Instagram, which is a really good one that I think a lot of people overlook is that people are very uh, pull-up, pull-down heavy and don't do a whole lot of rowing. And you know, you stress the importance of doing more rows than, than uh, pull-ups, pull-downs or more horizontal pulls and vertical pulls. But talk, talk about the, the rowing passion and then why that's so important for shoulder health. And that's it. We're going all over the place, but uh, I just thought it was a really yeah, cool thing fun. to point out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, when, I, when I first needed shoulder surgery – I, I waited for months. Like I, sh- I should have gotten it earlier, and I just kept going and going. So it was less and less exercises that I can do, and one of the only things I could do was rows. So I was doing rows four days a week, but like my shoulders started to get better. I was like, "Oh, I feel great," and, and then I could s- start to do more stuff. I still needed surgery, but uh, and I was a big West Side barbell guy, Louis Simmons and whatnot, and and I noticed that they always did rows. Every day on their, on their upper body days, their two upper body days, and their two lower body days. Not all of them, but a lot of the guys would, would do rowing variations every day. And so I started to add that into my training and then the training of my other, my other guys, uh, my clients. And everybody just got better. Like it improved their overhead pressing and improved their, their, their bench. Um, you, you know, there's no lift that's not going to improve your squat, your deadlift. Like you have that stable base. That upper back is strong. Uh, it's a good base to press off of. And like, if you're, if you're really trying to get your bench press up, if you're competing or all of our football guys had to get tested on their bench. So building up your, your back and your lats and everything, you, you have a, a less range of motion to press through. Like if you're thick, you, you know, just it decreases the amount of uh, range you have to press the bar through. So, um, and I just love the exercise. So I don't know why I'm just obsessed with rows. Your, your two favorites are, Two of my favorites too, a, a lot of body weight or inverted rows, whether it be a barbell or a suspension trainer and chest supported rows. Can you talk about why those are your, your staples? Yeah, because of the fact that uh, now I don't do as much heavy deadlifting and squats, but so many people do. And so for so many years I did. And so when we were doing, you know, the main lifts are called are your big lifts. And then you would do uh, accessory movements, assistance movements or whatever. And I wanted to take the stress off the lower back. So if you're doing a lot of squats and deads uh, and Olympic lifts, because a lot of our athletes had to do Olympic lifts, I didn't want to stress the lower back more with heavy bent over rows and penlay rows and even even super heavy one arm rows. Uh, and, and that was what Louis always did too: was try to relieve the lower back stress with the assistance stuff. So I just love the the inverted row and the chest supported row. And the, the nice thing about the inverted row is it's a full body workout. I mean, if if you're loading that up with a weighted vest or chains or whatever, and you have both feet up. I mean, you know, you're getting your hamstrings, your glutes, your lower back. It's a nice full body workout there. And, and it, it takes nothing out of you. Like you could do a hundred sets of inverted rows a week and it doesn't really bang you up at all. It's, a good, it's an excellent point. And uh, you also say people pull way too high, that the elbow goes a little bit too far past the trunk. What is the perfect, uh, in, in your experience, range of motion for healthy shoulder rowing? Yeah, I would say so. You, you want all your shoulder blade drop down a little bit, retract it all the way, and then if you drive your elbow all the way back, you, you're just kind of using your your, um, your 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 biceps and your brachialis and your forearms. Uh, your lats aren't really active there. Your rhomboids, so it's a shorter range of motion. And so, so basically, a lot of people think about 
or they've heard don't dumbbell press uh, so low. So like when you bring the dumbbells all the way down, kind of strains your AC joint, you get the stress in your shoulders. So people say, oh, don't go so low. You know, full range of motion on everything doesn't mean full range of the joint. It means full range of the muscle. So it's the same kind of stress uh, on the shoulder when you row so far, too. It just is stretching that area too much, and, and most people don't really need that. Interesting. Well, that's, a, that's a great point. I, I think that's one thing. Trainers have been uh, you know, preaching this for, for almost a decade about doing more pulling than pushing, specifically more rowing, but it's always good to get that reminder. And then uh, you're obviously like... Yeah, I, I, I just think, uh, just to reiterate, that people get a little carried away with the full range of motion thing because, it's again, it's the full range of the muscle, not necessarily the joint. When you see people get carried away, then they get injured. We're like, well, dude, you're not supposed to go that low or that far and everything, you know? Like, like stretch position movements are good, but you need to know the anatomy of, of what you're doing. Exactly. Like, like ass to grass squats now be considered the new standard. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe for mobility, but for loaded stuff, uh, you're asking a whole lot of your body. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love it, man. And then, so lifestyle-wise, like you're you're big into surfing, hiking, rock climbing. You know, th- that's one thing I think people become professional exercisers. I know I have to do a better job of. Uh, well, p- part of it too is like we make a living with our body. We can't afford to be hurt, so I, I become very yes. risk averse. I already am like you know yeah. scared of roller coasters and heights and everything else. So you know, like for me, an adventure is hiking, uh, which is like lame to a lot of people, but. Uh, it is good to see that, uh, you know, you, you promote, you know, getting out of the gym and, and using your fitness for something besides sets and reps and just getting out there and moving. And, uh, you know, what is it about those three activities that, uh, resonate with you the most? Well, uh, first of all, you, you, you're breaking up a bunch just over the last 30 seconds. Do you want to, I'll repeat that. Yeah. My, my apologies. So what I said mainly was that it's good to see someone use their fitness for more than just sets and reps in the gym and uh, you know, the, the surfing, oh, the hiking, you. the rock climbing, yep. you know, what, what about, what is it about those three activities that uh, you dig? So I'm really glad you brought this up because I can totally re- relate to what you just said. For so many years, I was a meathead who, like you said, a professional exerciser. I was just in the gym and I was scared to do stuff that I grew up loving. And when I had that realization that I had stopped doing martial arts and playing basketball, two of my favorite things, and stopped uh, skiing, another one of my favorite things, just because I was like, uh, it's going to affect my squat day, or I'm going to get, I can't risk getting hurt because then, then my dead, what's going to happen to my deadlift, and I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And that's no way to live. Like, that's not what we're training for. Training should enhance your life, not make it worse. So if you're listening right now, and if you're in that boat, I would say, please take it from someone who's been there and who knows so many people who gave up so many of their favorite things and got super scared just because all they could do is train all day. Don't do that. That's a bummer. And then you regret that later on. So let training enhance your life. And if your workouts make it so that you can't surf or hike or play volleyball or whatever you like to do the next day, maybe you need to reevaluate what's going on with your training and how you're training. And do some of the maybe smarter, safer uh, workouts that BJ has for you. But like, if you're always beat up and you can't do anything, that just doesn't make any sense. So I, I had that realization. I was like, oh man, I got to change my training a little, and I got just got to change my mindset. Like, who am I impressing 
by weighing an extra 10 pounds and by adding an extra 10, 50, 100 pounds on the bar. Like nobody really cares at the end of the day. I need to get out and do more stuff. So I started surfing a few years ago and I found it really meditative and almost spiritual in a way where I could never kind of relate to people who said, oh, you're really connected with like Mother Earth and the ocean and everything. I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't get it. But now I get it. And just getting out in nature, uh, hiking, I I love it. Like there you're totally unplugged. You you just you have you have thoughts and creativity. Like when you're out in the water, uh, people have written about that for years. You know, like being around water sparks creativity and you get better ideas and whatnot. So being in the water, being out in nature, you just see things differently. You think clear. Um, I, I love it. And so I, so I try to make the time for that stuff and not just live in the gym and not worry that if I go on a crazy hike, my squat's going to be down the next day. Like it is what it is, you know? Yeah, man. You know, and it actually reminds me one of the, when I first started getting, you know, high school, college and, you know, the workouts would be like, you know, what I would call the hero workout, which means like you barely get through it and you're sore for the next three to five days and, and can barely function for the next three to five days. Yeah. And I remember like, taking the elevators because that would help me recover faster in my mind for the next squat workout because my legs were so sore (laughs) and it's just like training completely taking over your life and actually making you less functional and weaker at your day-to-day so you know that's the big thing is the point of this stuff is to make you better to give you a stimulation um some days you're sore some days you're not but it's not the the outcome and i think you, you see this with the rise of you know marathons and crossfit because We've advanced so much as a society. Technology is better. And again, the quality of life is so much better. People like feel the need to just like destroy themselves because they don't feel alive because there, there's not a whole lot of obstacles out there. And I love the, yeah. we, we, you know, we're, we're advocating putting yourself, you know, improv, uh, training, like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations for greater good, but not at the expense of, you know, uh, like hating the next, you know, 24 hours after a workout because, or, or, or for some sick reason, loving it because you're like, your quads feel like they exploded, you know? Uh, so it's just, it's yeah. so interesting to see how, you know, first world problems, right? Like we've got to <laughs> make things hard for ourselves, but as almost anything, it seems the addictive qualities that most humans have, we, we always take it too far. Yep. And I found as I've gotten older, and uh, it seems to me that, that you do this a little bit too, where I used to go in and do three really hard, massive hour-long workouts. I kind of like breaking that up into five sessions now where they're just 20 or 30 minutes. And I like the discipline of doing it more often, the routine. I feel good. But uh, it's, it's not that massive session where I'm crushed for the next 48 hours. It's just like, I got it done. I feel good. And I can do anything the next few days. You bet. No, I mean, it's, uh, the more I've had the most success and joy in my training with the more frequent dose, but obviously the with greater frequency means, you know, you can't, you can't kill it. In fact, it just, it's yeah. finding that point where you say, maybe I could do another set and maybe I'll just hold it in the tank because I know that won't affect me as much later in the week. And that's that auto-regulation that we try to talk about too in that, you know, a lot of times you start a workout, you feel like shit, but you get, you know, you start with some maybe easier movements and you warm up into it, then it's your best workout of the week. So um, it's being okay with it not, you know, always being a 60-minute workout or, you know, a 20-minute workout, whatever, that you're going on field, but you're, at least you're doing something on, on, a, on a regular basis. And again, like, you know, once a week, 
I try to say it's just not going to be super structured and maybe we'll just get the activity somewhere else unless I feel like doing it. So I, I think it's fun to take, uh, I just hate when people are having butterflies for every one of their workouts. Yeah. Like there's nothing worse than that, man. I mean, it's good to be able to have that, you know, in certain parts of your life, but God, I mean, to think about the workout all day and almost dread it to me is like, this is like a, a it's like prison. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I keep, I'm smiling and laughing because I've been through so many of those workouts. What's the hardest workout? I mean, I'm sure you've, you've been through a ton of, epic workouts but like if they had to pick one what's the hardest workout ever where you'd say i'll never fucking do that again but but you you never forget it do you have one man nothing that comes to mind i i just i mean i, I would say we, we used to do friday strongman days at, at my old gym and depending on who was there and the groups uh it could get pretty heated and then if we had usually i would coach them and then i would do and at the end of the day, with, with guys my age, but if there was a time during the day where some of the pro guys and college guys had an uneven number, I would jump in. And in those days, I was at least seven to ten years older than most of the guys, and the college guys might have been even older then. So it was like, fuck, it's go time. And I would go so hard and make the, make the normal strongman workout even longer and harder than it was because I was like, what's up? What's up? I'm going to show these fucking kids what's up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I would be crushed the entire weekend just in bed, destroyed until Monday. <laughs> what, uh, if you can say, what are some of your favorite like celebrity pro athlete clients over the years? Any cool stories there? Uh, well, so I, I would say the best times I had were we had a group of – um, uh, I think there was maybe like like twelve or fifteen uh, pro baseball guys that came in um, together during during this time, and there was just this one particular time I, I can't remember the exact year, but there was something you know how there's just something special like you can't put your finger on it, but about the group, how they all got uh, along so well, uh, a lot of the guys that didn't know, know each other. Uh, that became super close. And that always makes me happy is, is not only developing relationships, but helping other people develop relationships and connecting people and whatnot. And there was something about it to this day. I still see a number of those guys liking my stuff on social media, even though that was 10 years ago, uh, still reaching out to me for advice in life and business and whatnot. You know, a lot of, most of them don't play anymore. Uh, but there was something so special about that time. And there's certain songs that I hear um, like, for example, the Jay-Z and Linkin Park album, when I hear that, it always brings me back to that. I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. <laughs> brings me back to those days because those guys were so competitive. We had such a bond. I, I would say, like, all of us were best friends. And what's cool is I still, 10 years later, most of them, like I said, don't play anymore, but I'll still hear from them. I still talk to them. And it's just something special. Like, we, we just look forward to that hour. And then what was cool was because they came at an odd time, it was between my adult clients in the morning and before the high school guys would get there after school, that we had a huge block of time and they would all hang out. Like it was great. I created that third place where we would all hang out for like two to three hours. We'd go get sushi after and nobody wanted to leave. And it was just such a special time. I love it, man. And what, what are your, you know, top five or just top whatever, uh, kind of headbanger workout songs. What are you like, you know, it's a finisher, but what are the three to five tracks you're going to choose to put on? Oh boy. Uh, straight out of Compton. Uh, takes it, uh, Rebel Without a Pause. Um, 
something by Rage. Let's see. Uh, I'll say Gorilla Radio. I mean, there's so many good Rage songs. Um, those, those, those would be three right there for sure. I love it. No, that's good stuff, man. And uh, how, how would you describe like a, a week in Jay's life eating training? What does that typically look like and how has that you know, evolved for you over the years? Yeah, so I basically, like I said, I, I tend to train four to five days now. If I was doing five days, people, I, I know these days, you know, the, the science guys like to bash a body part split, but you and I both know you can make it work. And and it's it's kind of a gross misunderstanding of how, how the body works to say you're only hitting a muscle once per week if you're doing a push day because, like, if you do a chest day, a shoulder day, and an arm day, your chest, shoulders, and triceps get hit all three days. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just I've been training for 30 years now. I'm, uh, I'm almost 43. I've been training since I was 13. So I just get bored doing the same shit. <clears throat> so, for example, let's say I might do – uh, Monday pull, Tuesday push, uh, Thursday shoulders, Friday legs, Saturday arms. And those workouts are like 12 to 15 work sets, like 30 minutes. And I really enjoy training like that. I get in and get out. Uh, I, I, I sequence them. You and I talked about this in the past where the bigger lifts will be later. So I might go in and do something super easy on the joints, like inverted rows, then a one arm row then a chin up, then rack deads last on a leg day. I might go in and do, uh, I think you've, you've talked about how you, your, your squats feel better if you do single leg stuff first. So I might do uh, skater squats, single leg RDL, a uh, hip thrust or some kind of, uh, a, a glute ham raise or something and then squat. So stuff like that. Workouts are super, like I said, 30 minutes. I don't kill myself, but I, but I try to go hard. If I can set a PR that day, I will. Uh, that's generally how, how I tend to like to train. And again, just to address the frequency thing, because people say, oh, that's not enough frequency. Well, if I'm doing legs directly one day. I'm also going to the sand dunes and doing hill sprints one day. I might jump on the bike and do a finisher. Uh, I'll do a yoga class. I'll surf. I'll hike. I'll do just some body weight squats as warm-ups every day. So I'm still training. Like legs are getting hit five to six days a week. You know, yeah. uh, back gets hit directly on, on a pull day, obviously. And then again, on a leg day, if, if you're doing uh, RDLs or something or ab rollouts, it gets hit on, um, uh, could get hit on a chest day. It could get hit. Uh, and then, and then again, I'm swimming, I'm surfing and stuff like that. So it's a little bit of a misnomer that you're really only touching that muscle group once a week. It, it, if you're doing big compound exercise, you're hitting it way more. So that's just for me personally, I enjoy training like that or I'll do upper lower. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I'll do full body stuff. I'm not as structured where I let it take over my life. Like, you know, like I used to, like we talked about earlier. So if I'm doing that body part split and a buddy comes into town and he's doing full body, I might do, uh, all back stuff today and then do a full body workout tomorrow. And I don't care. Like, Oh, I'm going to be so much weaker. I'm going to be destroyed. It's like, whatever, dude, you know, it's just part of life. It's just, it's more, it's more fun to train with my body. Like if you showed up and said, let's go get a workout. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about what I did the day before. You know what I mean? It's just fun to train with, with your friends. So eating wise, I, um, I tend to, I'll probably have like three, four meals. Well, I, I'd say four meals a day. I, I get up and I have some, usually like eggs or maybe a protein shake occasionally with fruit and some healthy fat, like some, some nuts or coconut or something. Lunch is, is super similar. 
um, another another meal like if I trained, I, I might have a shake or just some some chicken or fish and uh, sweet potato after. And my biggest meal is at night. So my, my wife's an amazing cook. So whatever she'll make, chicken, fish, steak. Uh, you eat a pretty de- decent amount of, of rice or uh, sweet potatoes at night, veggies. It's pretty much standard meal. A lot of good whole food, man. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, what is your favorite like cheat meal you know, type of situation? Are you rotating men? You got one go-to or what does that look like? I know you said pizza. Uh, Being a Jersey boy, that might make a lot of sense, but... Yeah, 100% pizza, but I, I do love me some pancakes and French toast. So Sunday... We do uh, Sunday brunch is like a huge thing here in L.A. So we're always going to a new spot and I definitely crush some some pancakes and French toast. And then my wife makes homemade pizza most Sundays. So last night for Game of Thrones and uh, Summer Slumber Slime was on actually last night. I'm still a WWE fan, so I try to check in on, <laughs> on a couple of the biggest pay-per-views. I love and, that. Uh, yeah, so we crushed pizza last night. You're going to watch the uh, Mayweather oh, yeah. Conor McGregor fight? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's you know, it's, it, it's a spectacle, but how can you not? What's wrong with the spectacle? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, ho- hopefully it's good. It's not a complete disaster. Well, it, it'll be something for sure, man. And then your wife is also very, very fit. You, you guys uh, do this together. Uh, how important has that been for you to have, you know, the person you, you live with, you know, love, but also to, to help push you and stay accountable to – you know, the fitness lifestyle? I think it's huge. I, I know a lot of people who are super into fitness, to, uh, you know, pretty much to the level that you and I are, and they're significant. It, other is not, and it does cause some issues. Um, and then they ask me, you know, what to say, what to do, how, how to lead them in that direction. And it's a challenge for sure. And it can cause, you know, it can cause stress in a relationship. So for me, it's huge. I, I, I couldn't be in a relationship who, who, with someone who wasn't as into it as I am. So because, uh, again, not to sound elitist or whatever, but if someone doesn't go to the gym on a regular basis or take care of them, it's not someone that I can relate to and really want to spend a ton of time with because it's just unhealthy. So like, like it's like if you were around me and you're constantly smoking and drinking cigarettes, I'm like, that's just unhealthy. I don't want to be around that. So. For someone to be eating right and training healthy, I, I think it's a game changer. It makes a huge difference. And it does make you kind of like Jen, she could have the most delicious dessert on the planet and have two bites of it. I'm like, how? I'm eating the whole thing. I'm like ordering seconds and thirds. I don't get it. But at least she has that influence on me. And she's like, all right, fat boy, calm down a little, you know. You know, I, I nothing, almost all of the conflict I have with my wife revolves around leftovers and typically me eating her leftovers but uh conflicts at restaurants are you know she doesn't want the whole dessert right or doesn't want the whole appetizer or whatever but then she wants a little bit of it and it's like no like i I got this because it was the the exact size of what i hope to consume not just like seven eighths of it i the whole thing and uh i've never i don't know if that's a female thing obviously generalization not trying to be misogynistic but the idea of wanting to just kind of, you know, nibble on certain things. Uh, I've always been the type yeah. like get, you know, get the serving size you want. That's mine. I'm happy to get you an extra one. And if there's leftovers, <laughs> we'll take it home and then I'll eat it there. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's a problem. We got to figure out, you know, how we address this. But uh, what are the 
biggest mistakes you see at the gym that people make? I see you still go to Venice Gold's Gym, right? So you're seeing... I go there begrudgingly a lot of the times because it's walking distance away. Uh, I prefer smaller, kind of underground, quieter, not necessarily quieter, but not so crowded, kind of hardcore gyms, you know? So it was hard for me because when I first moved out here seven years ago, I had trained in my own facility for 15 plus years. So it was a little bit challenging. And during those 15 years, I did not like when I was on the road traveling, uh, training somewhere else. You know, I I like controlling the, the music environment and everything. Don't like big crowds like that when I'm training. Definitely don't like to talk too much when I'm training. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you see so many mistakes. It's funny because I think you and I and, and certain people maybe still live in a bubble where I'm like, I think by now everyone knows X, Y, Z. and But they don't. No. It's crazy. Like, So I'm out and people still don't know. And like I said, I do a body part split. But if you're 21 and, and weigh 120 pounds and just started training, you shouldn't do that. And I see guys – I see super skinny, weak people in there from, from – you know, from 16 to 60 doing an hour of concentration curls and every curl machine and everything. And it's like, dude, that's such a waste of time. So I think all those isolation movements are a huge waste of time for the majority of people. Uh, training too long, just doing too much volume. Like I'd say if you're not making any progress, cut your volume in half and maybe even more than that. Just go in, do two to three hard sets. Not to failure, don't kill yourself, but – Try to make progress. That's the most important thing. Like if you're not getting stronger, nothing's really happening. So pick a few basic movements. Instead of doing every hammer strength machine, do like a big press, a pull, a big squatting movement, a few sets, set rep PRs. You don't have to do one rep maxes or anything. You could do set a 10 rep max, but try to break those consistently. As you get stronger and more advanced, that becomes really hard. You need to add more variety and do things, but uh, there's really no need to be doing all of this excessive volume and all these exercises. Just just try to get stronger over time. That's the most important thing. What's it like at Gold's Gym? I mean, like, you're a natural guy. You've been doing this for a long time. And you probably, you know, I'd almost wonder if it's kind of demotivating for someone like you to go in there and just see, like, you know, these, you know, these dudes that can barely – I mean, they're doing freakish stuff and then, you, you're like – you're happy with your workout, then you turn and look to your right, and this dude is like just repping 315 for his warm up. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny because people look to us for fitness advice and uh, aspire to, you know, use the knowledge we're giving them to, to improve themselves. But it's like we also know what it's like to look around and see, like, man, we're like these people are, are in, a, in a totally different level in the league, and it just it's, it makes you feel like, you know, like a piece of shit sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, even knowing as much as I know and having the experience that, I, that I've had, I'll see all those guys on the cover of magazines and juiced out of their minds and humongous, and it will creep into my psyche a little. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should try that. Even though I know better, it's going to do nothing for me. Well, I'll end up wasting a couple of weeks. But I think that'll work. Let me try it. You know, it's stupid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it definitely – it's weird because – so many times, not not necessarily now, but you know, a few years back, when I would go to public gyms, I would be among the strongest people there. Uh, that's certainly not the case in a, in a place like Gold's, which is good because it puts things in perspective and it motivates you a little bit. You don't want to be the biggest, strongest guy around. That's not good for making progress. But uh, it's um, yeah, it's, it's challenging. I, I don't love it, like I said. And a lot of people there, 
more for the scene and the show. They're taking pictures. They just want to see everybody. People hang out all day. I hear so. you. You know, the one thing, part of the reason, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of training partners, you know, in football and teammates of mine, and, and we, we pushed each other and got a lot out of our workouts. But also what I found, just because I, I'm so susceptible to the ego of this and the competitive nature of it, that I would – a lot of the injuries I had were because of that competitive nature. And I've always gotten distracted by training with people or being around other people working out. So that's why I like to train at home. And, you know, not only do you have the comfort of your, your, your equipment, uh, no, no wait times, you know, train as long or short as you want. Don't have to worry about going anywhere. But it's just it's you. It's man in the mirror, laser focus. And that's what I always found to be really Key for me, everybody's different when it comes to exercise. Some people like the social atmosphere, but it just sounds like what you're saying is that you go there and it's like it almost becomes more like an entertainment session than it does an actual workout at times. A hundred percent. And you brought up a good point. Uh, I am not evolved enough to not let my ego get involved when I'm training out in public. So sometimes I can find a corner and, and, and do the weights I should be doing. That's cool. But then if I see somebody who might know me or something, I'm like, oh, fuck, now i got to add an extra 45 on each side because they're looking at me. So then I end up getting hurt, you know? Or you just do 100 extra rows. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, let me see a couple other tips. Uh, you have a, one of your top articles at your site. And can you plug your site quick for us? Sure. Since my name is hard to spell, jasonferugia.com, you can just go to j.fit, J-A-Y.fit. And that'll redirect you there. Awesome. So you have a, one of your best articles is, uh, I believe, the top 10 reasons you're not losing fat. You want to share a couple of those uh, tips, uh, people that are struggling with fat loss, like that you see time and time again. I, I, it's funny you mentioned nuts or, or nut butters are one of them. I always found that was huge because no one, can, no one ever has a tablespoon of peanut butter or a handful of nuts. But I, I just thought that was oh. a really good article and I wanted you to share some of your favorite tidbits about that because people are always struggling with fat loss. Yeah, so uh, these days, higher fat and lower carb diets are super popular, and they definitely work. But you—that doesn't mean you eat a thousand grams of fat a day, which I think people can easily do. So, and, and nuts are one of the ways. And, and it's funny because people are, are recommended nuts as a super healthy food; it's a good source of fat. Uh, but, dude, like you said, I mean, I, I I could eat a whole jar of almond butter, no problem. <laughs> and that's like your calories for the day. It's certainly your fat intake for, for the day, maybe two days. Uh, so I, I find that really struggling to lose fat, get nuts and nut butter out of the house. It's like, it's just the devil. And nowadays, you have nut butters with all kinds of flavoring in oh. them and protein. I mean, you could easily whack that back. So that that's a huge problem. Uh, I, I, people tend to, I don't, I don't walk around tracking everything, but when I finally, like, I, I never had visible abs until, until I turned 40 because one of my reasons was I ate too much fat. So I, I cut that back, and, and now I, now I kind of know. I have an idea of how many grams of fat I can do each day, but I just wasn't tracking at all. So I was way over on my calories. So I think people just don't track. So you should, at least for the beginning, like, you know, 16 weeks or maybe even six months, uh, use one of those food tracker apps. Track so you know where you're at because you're probably eating way too much. And then – Occasionally, you're eating way too little. 
and you're just crushing your thyroid and your, your metabolism just shut off. Like if you walk around, you're freezing all the time. That's probably an issue. You're, you're, you've crushed your metabolism by eating too little. And again, not to, to generalize or anything, but, but females do that more than men a lot of times. Just eat way too little. If you get them eating more, uh, they will definitely lose, lose, lose fat more efficiently. So I think doing uh, – I don't know if I mentioned this in the article, but I, I would say the most important thing is sleep. People don't pay enough attention to sleep. So, okay, you're going to the gym, you're killing it. You're doing high-intensity intervals, you're killing it. You got your diet on point. But if you're only sleeping four to five hours, none of that really matters. In the hierarchy to me, sleep is the most important thing. If you sleep more, you'll get leaner, you'll build more muscle, you'll look better. Uh, everything's going to be better. You'll have, le- you'll have less inflammation. Like a lot of people spend hours a day rolling around on foam rollers and lacrosse balls. I guarantee if you slept another hour, you wouldn't need to do that stuff as much. Sleep and stress are huge. So, so manage stress. Like do stuff like we talked about. Meditate. Learn how to unplug and turn off. Because when when your when your sleep and stress is screwed up, your cortisol, which is a stress hormone, that goes through the roof. It's really hard to lose fat. So those two things would be the most important. Um, and and then you can worry about training. But again, even with training, sometimes people do too much. Like they do too much high intensity interval stuff. Uh, high intensity interval stuuff is good and you can point to a lot of studies on why it's why it's so effective for fat loss but if you're already hitting four super hard workouts and then you do two to three other days you're doing hit training that's a lot that's a lot to recover from when you add in uh, the stress of your life uh, and the lack of sleep you know so you need to manage that kind of stuff sometimes less is more when it comes to fat loss big time that's all great tips uh what what is next, man? You obviously you're doing a lot of podcasting. Any cool projects on the horizon, and where can we follow you for more? Uh, yeah, so we're, we're we have the Renegade Strong app, which is finally about to come out. It's going to kind of uh, be an upgrade to my Renegade Strength Club membership site. That should be out in the next few weeks, and then uh, that's, that's just just really focused on the podcast. And I think that's all, all we got on the horizon right now. Yeah, so. So I'm, I'm at Jay Ferrugi on Instagram and uh, RenegadeRadioPodcast.com and J.Fit is my main site where you can find everything. Any closing tips, man? Like, uh, you know, if you had to leave uh, a sentence or two of advice to people from all your 30 plus years of training, you know, being, being Mr. Simplicity, what would, what would you say to people that could probably get them 80% of the way to what they're trying to do? Yeah, I would say simplify it. Focus, focus on big, essential, functional movements. Squat, hinge, pull, push, lunge, rotate, sprint. I think everyone should sprint once a week. Don't, don't start sprinting tomorrow if you haven't sprinted since high school. Work up to it. Do hill sprints, do sled sprints to slow yourself down. Uh, keep the volume low. Don't kill yourself. Don't train to failure. Uh, sub-maximal but hard. Always leave a little left in the tank. Always, you know, live to fight another day. Feel good the next day, and eat whole, real foods. I love it, man, dude. Thank you so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, let me know anytime I can be of help. And be sure to follow Jay on Instagram. Check out his podcast. And uh, I'm hoping when I finally make the move to California, hopefully it's close enough, Jay, we can uh, go grab some pizza and pancakes together at some point. Absolutely, that'd be great. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, guys and gals. We'll be back next week. Keep training hard and keep showing up. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks so much for listening to the weekly BJ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when each weekly episode is posted. Follow me everywhere on social media at BJ Gador, B-J-G-A-D-D-O-U-R. And for more podcasts, plus workout, meal prep, and mobility content, please visit the dailybj.com, hashtag not a porn site. Membership is just $9.69 per month. Cancel anytime.